We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on uh, another episode. Uh, Glad to have my guest tonight, um, somebody who you need to be following on Twitter for great content when it comes to college football, but uh, goes by Chappie. So we'll uh, let's thank you again for for coming on the show. Yeah, Bobby. Any time that I can talk college football, regardless of what the region, what the conference, what division, uh, let's do it. And and I thank you for having me on because you're you're letting me follow my passion. Absolutely, and uh, I. I agree with your passion, and I have the same passion, obviously, and that's that's why we're here. And I, you come highly recommended to me to talk about the Mid American Conference, the MAC, talk some action. So uh, I'm excited for that. I grew up in MAC country. I live in MAC country still, and I know the MAC is near and dear to your heart as well. Yeah. So uh, just quick story for for all the listeners. Uh, I'm a CMU undergrad. Fire up chips and. You know, my, my dad was a Chippewa. Uh, my brothers and sister were Chipp- or are Chippewas. Uh, I have a brother, actually, who works at the university now. And, you know, looking to continue the, the tradition, my youngest daughter, anyway, says that she definitely wants to attend CMU. Um, I don't want her to grow up too fast. but uh, And then I also got my, my master's at Eastern, not bragging. It was really just for a, a pay increase. But, uh, you know, so I'm a Chippewa and a, a partial eagle. But... Yeah, absolutely. A big footprint in Matt country and surrounded by the, the great areas of Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, um, and then even Buffalo, New York. I mean, it's all great Mac area. So it's right at my wheelhouse and, and glad to talk about it with you. Absolutely. And, and I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think of the Mac is Maction, uh, weekday football, how great it is yes. for all of us fans and just for guys like me who travel to different games all over the place, just to be able to get to different venues during the week and uh, get to see things. And uh, and then the other thing would just be the offenses and the firepower that, that is Mac football. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, and I, um, I mean, not to, not to interrupt you real, real quick there, Bobby, but uh, that's one of the great things about Maction. And I kind of wish that more, conferences would would follow that uh, theme a little bit and um, I'll be honest I prefer watching the games at home mainly because on a Saturday if, if I go to a game I, I end up missing half of the games during that time slot or really it's like two time slots so I've made it a point to hit up a couple max venues this season during the week uh, because they're all within driving distance of my home here in Michigan so I think that's another great aspect of it uh, but yeah, and then you you add on top of that. I mean, Maction football it doesn't matter who's playing, whether at the top of the West or the bottom of the East, it's going to be an entertaining game nonetheless. So I'm right there with you. Oh, absolutely, and uh, just 
a story from my end. Like this year, I went to a game at the University of, of Iowa when they played Minnesota, and then a couple days later, I'm in Ypsilanti watching Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. I mean, it's just nice. It's just amazing. Uh, and I agree with you that some more of the G5 conferences should really look to do what the MAC does. Right. Um, yep. Another thing that I think of when I think of MAC football are some of the really great rivalries, um, just because of how, like you said, how close all the schools really are to each other. Yep. What? What? Which ones kind of stick out to you? So of course I'm biased with the Central Western rivalry for the Victory Cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, I was uh, conversing with some people on Twitter about you know somebody asked what what's your greatest MAC memory, and for me it was in 2001 when CMU's football team was not very good and Western's team was right on the precipice of being nationally ranked. I think they only had one loss, and that was to a Power 5 school. I can't remember who it was. It was early in the year, but they were undefeated in MAC play. And this was when Central and Western played toward the end of the schedule, not in the middle, which I kind of have bad feelings about that. But uh, Central ended up upsetting Western, and that was the first time I was ever able to storm the field. And my roommate actually got punched in the gut by the Bronco mascot because they were just not happy that not only did they lose, but they lost to their rival. So that one is a is a my number one Mac rivalry. I also enjoy the Bowling Green Toledo, the Battle of seventy five, mm-hmm. and I love how at the, the Glass Bowl they have that rocket, the the blue and gold rocket, and it's pointed at Bowling Green, Ohio, um, as if you know if they ever needed to send a shot to their rival, it's pointed right at. Uh, you know, Deutsch Perry Stadium and, and Bowling Green. So that's a rivalry that I would love to attend in person. And, you know, again, like we talked about with Maxion during the middle of the week, there, there's that opportunity. So it's, it's certainly on my Mac bucket list. But those are the top two. I also enjoy the Battle of the Bricks between Miami and Ohio University. And, of course, the wagon wheel game between Kent State and Akron, which has been getting more and more bitter and, and nasty, especially since Kent State has risen with uh, Sean Lewis as their head coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Akron now, they're gaining some steam with new coach Joe Moorhead and a lot of good transfer portal halls that they brought in. There's a lot of Akron fans that are becoming more vocal on Twitter now, so that rivalry is going to heat up even more, I think. Absolutely. And uh, that, that was actually – I had some really good questions submitted by people who follow me and everything, and one of them was referring to – why can't Bowling Green have the same transfer success as Akron? Yeah, so I thought about that. Um, you know, you had, you had sent that question to me. I thought that was a great question. Um, you know, when I look at Akron, first of all, I think Joe Moorhead has more recent connections than Bowling Green's coach Scott Leffler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the coaches on his staff have had a bigger footprint over the country. Um, obviously, he comes from Oregon. So he's got coaches, himself included, who have been in Pac-12 country to recruit. Uh, he was the head coach at uh, Mississippi State before that, so he's been in SEC country. Some of his assistants have worked within ACC schools, mm-hmm. Big Ten schools. So I think that there's just a, a bigger footprint for recruiting, and that, that really helps. Um, Leffler and, and many of the guys on his staff are kind of local and regional to not only Mac area and Big Ten area, but really the Northeast, so it's a, it's a lot smaller of a footprint. I think that plays into it. Um, Akron's a bigger city than Bowling Green. I mean, there's not much to Bowling Green, Ohio, and I'm not disparaging the city or the university, but, I, you know, Akron is very close to Cleveland, Ohio. Right. Uh, pretty big market there. I think the LeBron James factor 
plays into it as well. I know that he gives back to Akron University. Um, and so, I mean, those are just some of the things that I kind of came up with uh, off the top of my head. There might be some deeper stuff, but, uh, you know, I think this year is going to be a year where if, if Scott Leffler can get the Falcons relevant in the MAC again, that could certainly play well for transfer portal um, additions, not necessarily high school recruiting, but I think, um, you know, more players are starting to look at the MAC, especially with the TV exposure during the middle of the week. That, that plays in big as well. And you know, the other thing, too, um, to end on this question, Akron's got that new stadium, Info Decision right. Stadium, which is a really nice one. You it know, it's, it's the newer, newest building in, in MAC country. And, you know, not that Doit Perry is a dump, but, you know, comparatively speaking, um, Info Decision is, is certainly a little bit more attractive, in my opinion. I agree with you. You hit on some really good points there. I mean, a side note, personally, I think Joe Moorhead was was done wrong at Mississippi State. Yep. But that, that that's beside the point. But right. I, I, think, I think he's a very, very good football coach, and I'm really surprised that he didn't get a bigger job than Akron during this coaching carousel cycle. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he – being a quote-unquote Yankee coming to the South, I know that that was something like he had a probably the shortest leash of anybody mm-hmm. um, who was a new hire in the SEC within the last five years. And, yeah, I, I thought that this was a great uh, hire for Akron and you know could be could be the sleeper hire of the offseason. We'll see how the things transpire. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a big hit for Akron. And, and Joe Moorhead, I, I think, has, you know, whether he wants to admit it or not, I think he's got quite a big chip on his shoulder to prove that, you know, I am. I'm not somebody who's an afterthought, and and yeah, like you said, Mississippi State did me wrong, and um, you know he's he's a coach that if things play out right, um, we could hear his name back in the in the Power Five conversation pretty soon. I couldn't agree more with that. that I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, I guess that leads into uh, a, a, something we were just kind of talking about: coaching moves in the future of the MAC uh, for the best current coaches in the Mac and and uh, somebody that I've talked to recently I live in Illinois I'm not very far from Northern Illinois University and obviously Thomas Hammock has done an amazing job there and he's an alum so I I don't know I don't know if he'd want to leave but money talks of course and uh, Indiana has been struggling and I feel like he would he could be a good fit in that type of situation but who who are some guys that you look at uh, that could that could make that jump? Like so many great Mac coaches have done. Yeah, I think the first one that stands out to me is Jason Candle from Toledo, and his name has been mentioned and rumored for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. I think if um, if Matt Campbell ever leaves Iowa State, I think that Jason Candle would be maybe the first on their list, just because those two coaches cut, are cut from the same mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both went to Mount Union. They both coached together. So I think that if, if Campbell decides to take um, his coaching services somewhere else, I, I, I know that he just signed a, um, uh, an extension recently. But, you know, we've learned in the last five years that uh, extensions and new contracts mean nothing because right. buyouts are, are easily paid. Um, so I think that's the first one that jumps out to me. Um, Miami of Ohio, their coach Chuck Martin, who I put as the second best coach in the MAC, I put Candle at number one. But Martin coached under Brian Kelly for quite a few years, and he's somebody that has been a consistent winner with the Red Hawks in, in Oxford, Ohio. And, you know, I don't know that he necessarily goes to a, a 
Power 5 school right away, but if someone from the Mountain West or someone from the AAC, um, you know, comes at him and says, well, we, we can pay you more, you know, I, I'm thinking about maybe if Luke Fickle ever leaves Cincinnati, I think Chuck Martin might be a good, um, a good fit at a place like Cincinnati. Um, well, now I know they're going to the Big 12, but, um, you know, they're, they're very similar coaches. Um, so those are two that, that kind of jump out to me. Sean Lewis is another one. In fact, he might even be sexier, quote-unquote, than Chuck Martin is just because of his flash-fast offense and mm-hmm. you know, his connections with Wisconsin and with Dino Babers at Syracuse. You know, if Dino doesn't cut it this year, does Sean Lewis, um, is he the next in line to, to coach in the Loud House up there at the Carrier Dome and, and bring that speed and that, uh, that rushing attack to Syracuse, New York, to try and compete better in the ACC? So those are... Those are three that, that stand out to me, and you know that's not to say that Thomas Hammock's name shouldn't be mentioned there, but some about his situation at Northern Illinois, I think he loves being there. I agree. And it would have to it would have to take, um, uh, you know, like you said, money would have to talk pretty well, and it would also have to be a, a good regional fit for him. I think he's smart enough to know that um, there's a lot of coaches who are flashes in the pan who jump to the first opportunity, but they really jump into a, a pond that is over their head. So um, I, I don't foresee Hammett going anywhere anytime soon. That being said, if NIU wins double-digit games this year and repeats as Mac champs, um, you know, I could be eating those words. I absolutely agree with you with the, on that. I, I think he's in a perfect situation, and, mm-hmm. and I think he realizes that. But I also love hearing you talk about Chuck Martin. Uh, I went to Grand Valley State, um, and so being a part of the men's basketball team there, I got to know football players and everything and, and Chuck Martin yeah. coached there. And he was, he was a fantastic person, just a fantastic guy. And yes. I always, I always cheer for him and his teams just cause he's a good guy. He is. Yeah. I, I, I have not had the pleasure of meeting him, but everything that I've read about him, watching him on the sidelines, watching him in interviews. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a coach that um, in today's, um, flashy society and what have you done for me lately and you know kind of let's cut and cheat and, and move around any corners that we can to get ahead he's still doing it the right way and and he's he's truly a coach and for me having been a coach before and you know you as well um, I, I'm sure you can relate to this it, it's about doing what's right for these young men you know and, and I feel that that's what he does and that's why I, I really appreciate Mac football because it's not the uh, the glitz and glamour that the Power Five leagues can be. These are these are guys, and more more importantly, these are coaches that are here for the right reasons. And we see that with Sean Lewis staying at Kent State. We see it with Thomas Hammock kind of you know pushing aside uh, rumors and talks and whatnot. Um, Chuck Martin is a great example. I think this is his ninth year at Miami of Ohio, and his name has come up. You know, so there's a lot of good examples. Tim Lester at Western Michigan is another one. Um, they're coaches who want to do it the right way, and. and Again, that's a big reason why I have such a, a big spot in my heart for these group of five leagues, especially the Mid-American Conference. Absolutely. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, spot on. Um, Thank you. <laughs> another question that was asked, um, dealing with Miami, Ohio's rival, Ohio, uh, what's the impact of the Solich retirement at Ohio? Uh, it was not good. So, um Last season, it right was about ugly. this time, <laughs> it, it was ugly. Well, so I actually picked Ohio to win the East last year, I, and I thought that they I were did doing too. dominant fashion. And then when, when I heard that he retired, I got worried. I'm like, is, is his health okay? And then, you know, I, I come to read that it's um, he wanted to step back and, and 
enjoy his family, and God bless him for that. Um, and so at first I thought, well, Jim Albin uh, has been his offensive coordinator for a while, and, and pretty much the entire staff stayed on. So Frank Solich, I've always looked up to him as one of the deans of coaching, mm-hmm. and I was really, really disappointed at how far Ohio fell off because I thought Curtis Rourke is a, is a very talented quarterback, and I know that they alternated between him and Rodgers last year, you know, but they had two good running backs. Uh, they had a pretty good offensive line. Their defense, I mean, on paper they looked pretty good, but they only averaged 187 yards per game rushing last year. That was not Ohio-like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, I, I hate to say it, but if we don't see Ohio get to a bowl this year or next year, we'll know that the Solish regime is done, and they're going to probably have to find somebody else. And that's, you know, not, I'm not trying to wish doom on Tim Alban or anybody at, at Ohio U. I mean, um, I went to that campus last summer, and I, I fell in love with it. Um, you know, if one of my girls wanted to go to a Mac school outside of Michigan, I would I would push Ohio U. Uh, but you look at what Solich did, 115 wins, four Mac East titles. Uh, he won more games than the previous six coaches combined, and it took him – um, 16 years to get 115 wins. It took 28 years for the previous six coaches to barely crack 100. So, I mean, it just shows what he did, not only at Nebraska, and that's a whole different story about how he got mm-hmm. jobs there, um, but, yeah, I mean, he left behind um, such an impact at uh, at Ohio U, and, and sadly, I don't see them recovering this year, maybe next year, but, we'll, you know, time will tell on that. But, yeah, to answer that question, I think the impact is not good. I agree, and and. I also picked them to win the East last year, so that I, and I had the same reaction when he retired too. I'm like, oh no, he must be sick. But right. thank heavens that wasn't the case. But sure. but I I mean, I I agree with you. It, it, they had so much talent offensively, and just for it to play out the way that it did was just bizarre. Right. Right. Um. I'll go back to NIU. Uh, do you think NIU can? can repeat, um, or is it just a one-and-done thing? I think they certainly have all the pieces to repeat. They might, I mean, aside from Bowling Green, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but NIU returns uh, one of the highest amount of production mm-hmm. from last year. Um, and, and they return it at all the right spots. You know, quarterback Rocky Lombardi, uh, a Huge good fan. part of their offensive <laughs> line. Only only one guy leaves them there. Um, they had two guys make All-Mac last year, and one of them was their uh, I think it was their center, Brady Patton. Um, he's gone, but, um, you know, they returned four other guys. Defensively, I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. I love their front four. Their secondary is really good. Jordan Gandy is, a, is an outstanding corner. Um, they, get all, they also get a couple guys back who didn't even play last year from injury. Um, I think Lafayette, one of their safeties, and then also um, Nick Pugh, a linebacker. So they're going to be stacked talent-wise. And it's really going to come down to the game between them and Toledo. And, um, I mean, that game is played in DeKalb this year. I think that's going to decide the, uh, the Mac West. So I, I would not count out NIU to repeat whatsoever. You know, um, if they don't repeat this year, it's going to be that they're either, they either losing the Mac championship or they come a close second to Toledo um, in, in the West standings there. So um, the pieces are certainly there to do it. And like we talked about, Thomas Hammock took an 0-16 after a COVID season and got them to 10 wins and a MAC title when, you know, even as they were winning, everybody kept waiting for the bubble to burst, and it just didn't happen. So, you know, kudos to him and his staff and those players mostly, especially a guy like Rocky Lombardi who people counted out when he transferred 
from Michigan State, and you know myself included, I thought, well, they're probably going to go to maybe a younger guy, but you know he's there, and he came back for for another year this year, and you know bless him for that, and, and I'd love to see it done the hard way, and and, and for them to repeat. I agree. I, I I'm. I've become a fan of Rocky Lombardi. Now, when he was at Michigan State, I wasn't because I'm a Michigan fan. But sure, sure. But I just love his leadership. I mean, he just, just, and obviously he comes from a great family line of uh, from coaching and everything. And yeah, but I mean, just the leadership that he brings to that team is, it, it, I think that's what almost sets him apart. Uh, just, just, well, you know, just the way that they're able to run the football, and then you have a quarterback yep. who just gets it done no matter what. Yep. It, that just. It, and then I went to their spring game this year, and I was really, really impressed by uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin transfer at defensive end Isaiah Green May. I mean, yeah, I, I stood next to him, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy is huge, <laughs> and he, he, he was making yeah. plays. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, going back to uh, Lombardi real quick. Um, I've always maintained, even when I was coaching football, coaches need to recruit wrestlers because wrestlers are yes. some of the toughest SOBs that you're ever going to find in athletics. You know, so Rocky was a an accomplished wrestler in high school. Um, I think he's actually from Iowa, which is you know uh, mm-hmm. wrestling country USA. So um, you know, coaches, if you're listening out there, and I'm sure that you are, you know, because you love the TNT podcast and, and you love Chappie here, but. Um, Recruit a wrestler. If you know, if you're looking for somebody who's going to give you everything, whistle to whistle, it's going to be a wrestler. And so, I think that's another factor that makes me appreciate Rocky Lombardi even more because you know, when you're on the mat, it's you versus that person. So he carries that into when he's playing quarterback or when he has to run the ball. You know, he's a leader, but he's also just a gamer, and, and that's what you get from those type of athletes. I agree. I've actually had a couple offensive linemen on my show, and I've. They've all been wrestlers, and I've asked them that question, like, what, how, I mean, it just translates so much, especially at that position, but just just the mentality of a wrestler is completely different than any other athlete. Right, yep. So it it, it just translates tremendously. I didn't realize he was a wrestler, but it it makes sense hearing you say that, though, watching him play. Sure, yep. Um... Who who are your sleepers kind of going into this season and teams that you feel might be a little overrated? Well, I'll start with um, I'll start with the sleepers because that's kind of near and dear to my heart. So in the in the East, I think people really need to keep an eye on Bowling Green. Now they've kind of been at the bottom of the the MAC East for the last few years, and I I like the hire of Scott Leffler. I thought that he was going to have them more competitive than what he has so far. But we started to see them turn the corner a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. And they do return the, I think it's like the third or fifth most production in all of FBS football. So they're tops in the MAC. And you look at the, the positions that they return, um, quarterback Matt McDonald, uh, a good part of their offensive line. I think they actually might bring back all five offensive linemen. They had a couple all-MAC linebackers that return, um, and, and pretty good ones as well. Um and I just think that, you know, Leffler, coming from Michigan, um, you know that he's been well-coached. He played under Lloyd Carr, and, um, you know, he's been a quarterback coach at different spots. I know he was the OC at, in Boston College, I think under Steve Adazio. He also coached a little bit at Virginia Tech. Um, but they just, I mean, they bring back Christian Sims, who was an all-MAC tight end. 
uh, really the only person of note that they lost, aside from right tackle Jordan Murphy, was their all-everything place kicker Nate Needham. But um, pun intended, hopefully they don't need him this year because <laughs> they'll be putting the ball in the end zone. Uh, I, I really like their receiving core, and they were young at running back a season ago. So if Matt McDonald can emerge to be the quarterback that they anticipated him being when he transferred over from Boston College, I think he was a four-star recruit out of California. So they've got the pieces. Like I said, I love Darren Anders and Jordan Anderson. So they're my sleeper in the East. In the West, my sleeper is, um, you know, I think that Eastern Michigan is, is, a, is a team that um, could emerge. Now, when we talk about the West, I, I see Toledo and Northern Illinois vying for that top spot, the top two spots. And then three through six is really just a roll of the dice between Central, Western, Eastern, and Ball State. I like how Eastern has a good amount of their offensive line coming back, four guys returning up front. They also have a great receiving crew. Um, mm-hmm. Hassan Badoon is, was all Mac a season ago. Um, they do get Taylor Powell transferring in at quarterback from Troy. So that's going to um, fill the void left by Ben Bryant and Preston Hutchinson, who both transferred out. Uh, defensively, Jose Ramirez was all Mac and led the team in sacks. They've got, you know, they play like that, uh, that 4 2 5 style defense that most teams play now. So, uh, of the five DBs that they had playing last year, they bring back a good amount of those. Um, so they've got size up front and strength up front. So they're my sleeper from the, the West. Um, I have them finishing fifth overall, but I wouldn't be shocked to see them competing for that West uh, title or maybe even number two in the West in November. They're they're so well coached too. I mean, that's any team that Chris Crichton coaches, I think, has a chance. Yeah, and I mean, you look at what he's done at Eastern, and <laughs> right. you know, I've always wanted to see EMU do well, but he inherited um, a program that was basically on their way out of FBS and being demoted to FCS. Um, mm-hmm. And there were even talks about you know maybe is it even worthwhile to keep the program around? And Chris Creighton has brought him to, I think, four bowl games. Um, and he's, they've gotten better each year. He's, he's won, I think, two games on the road at Big Ten venues. I know he beat uh, Purdue a couple of years ago. I think he has another win. I don't know if it was at Illinois, but I, I want to say there's two Big Ten victories on the road under his credit. And, and like I said, I mean, who would have thought uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that Eastern Michigan would be going to four bowl games in, I think, five seasons. So what he's right. done is amazing and um, really doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves as a Matt coach. I couldn't agree more. Um, you talked about some of those upsets. What, what, uh, I don't know the exact number of how many years it's been in a row that a Mac team has beat a P5 school, but uh, which, ones do you, which games do you look at this year where you could kind of see that happening? Yeah, and I think it's especially the Big Ten. I, I, I saw, I've seen that on Twitter, too. I want to say it's like either six or eight straight years at least one MAC team has beaten a Big Ten team, and almost all of them have been on the road um, in Big Ten country. So the ones that stand out to me, um, Buffalo playing at Maryland. I mean, Maryland mm-hmm. is a team that usually stops, starts hot, but this is a Buffalo team that um, if it weren't for Bowling Green, Buffalo would be my sleeper in the East. Uh, they had a, a great transfer portal haul. I think they had the best transfer portal class of anyone in the MAC. Um, so that's a game to look out for. Miami of Ohio going to Kentucky, and I know you know I just talked today on a, a segment that I, I put out on my Twitter feed, um, walking off a chappy about how Kentucky 
could threaten in the SEC East, but um, how many times in college football do you hear about a team that has high hopes and they can't even make it out of their first game at home? Mm-hmm. So that's one to look out for. And then um, I hate to say it because I'm a Northwestern fan and I covered that team for you know a few years, but Miami of Ohio going to Northwestern on September 24th. Northwestern always seems to struggle with a group of five, or I hate to say it, even FCS team mm-hmm. when they shouldn't, when they're at home. And, and honestly, if I had to, if I had to put money on any of them, I would, I would sadly say Miami of Ohio upsetting Northwestern in Week Four. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, any one of those games. But I also, I mean, the, the slate has gotten tougher and tougher. And looking at some of the the non-conference games this year, it's it's as tough for the MAC this year to, to pull one of those upsets as any I can remember in recent history because they're not playing a Vanderbilt. They're not playing Kansas. I mean, they're playing some mid-level uh, Power 5 teams that uh, are, are going to be competitive this season. Right, right. I agree. The, the one that stands out to me, though, is uh, Northern Illinois actually has Vanderbilt coming to DeKalb. Oh, okay, that's right. And yep. the, the next week they go to Kentucky as well. I, I, I think it's... I love what you were talking about Kentucky today. I thought you did a great job. But uh, Kentucky playing both Miami, Ohio, and NIU, I think are great tests for them to set up for SEC play. For sure, for sure. And you know what? I, and you're right. I, I overlooked that. Um, and, and when I see this question, I, I think I was thinking about going on the road to play them. But I actually right. do have NIU yeah. beating Vanderbilt at home mm-hmm. um, to get them that 3-0 and start. Because, yeah, Vandy under Clark Lee, they just – there's so much work that needs to be done there. And like we learned last year, like we've learned in the past, I mean, NIU in the last decade, even 20 years, has not been an easy out for anybody. Whether right. you're hosting the Huskies or whether you have to go to DeKalb and play in Husky Stadium because those are some pretty um, pretty passionate fans. And, you know, I mean, that the whole mantra, the hard way. I mean, right. they do it that way. And if I'm an opposing coach, I don't care if I'm coaching, um, you know, if I'm coaching somebody in a top, if I'm coaching the University of Florida, or if I'm coaching uh, the Pitt Panthers, I don't want to come to the Cal at all, you know. And I'm I'm a little bit nervous even bringing them to my venue. Right, I I agree with you. They have that history of doing it. I mean, they won yep. at Alabama. I mean, now granted that Alabama right. team is nowhere near what it is now, but still, nonetheless, you went yeah, to Tuscaloosa it, and won. It wasn't Vanderbilt or Kansas, so um, right. I mean it's still Alabama. <laughs> right, right. Um, who who are some of your top quarterbacks? I mean, the, the of course the MAC has such a fantastic history of quarterbacks. So who who are you looking at going into this year? Well, my top two are Brett Gabbert from Miami of Ohio, sixty percent completion percentage of twenty six touchdown interception ratio. He threw for two hundred sixty five yards a game. And, and I don't think he had as good a year last year as he did the previous season. So I'm, I'm expecting an even bigger year this year, uh, especially with some of the weapons he's got to throw to, even though he lost Jack Sorensen. Daquan Finn is another one, and I think he's a really underrated quarterback. A lot of people look at him and say, well, he's an athlete. He's good with his legs. But he had an 18-2 to touchdown-interception right. ratio, so he's very efficient. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they Jason Cannell knows how to run offense up there in Toledo. Um you know, we talked about Rocky Lombardi. Daniel Richardson for CMU had some good numbers last year, but, you know, of course, being a CMU grad and somebody who watches the Chippewas closer than any other MAC team, I'm not as sold on him. He's a good quarterback, but some people are picking the Chippewas to 
win the West in some circles because of Daniel Richardson, and I'm just not sold on it being because of him yet. Um, and also, you know, some wild cards. Whoever plays for Buffalo, whether it's Matt Myers or Cole Snyder, a transfer from Rutgers, they've got a lot of great receivers to throw to, and um, I, I think that they're going to help whoever plays quarterback there to have a pretty good season. And then Taylor Powell at Eastern Michigan, you know, he was a four-star recruit at Missouri. Then he went to Troy. He didn't really have the, the season that we expected to have at Troy, but he comes to EMU, and, and he had a pretty good spring. Coaches liked what they saw from him. And then, of course, at Western Stone Hollenbeck, who transfers from Alabama. Mm-hmm. I think he was a four-star recruit. Tim Lester is a quarterback guy. I mean, he, he makes whoever's playing quarterback there in Kalamazoo do some pretty good things. I was, I was shocked that Caleb Ellaby left. Um, and I don't even think he got drafted. Right. So, you know, if he came back, he would have been my number one quarterback in the MAC this Definitely. year. Definitely. Uh, but those are those are some of the the big names that I, I would like to throw out there. I I have a really close I have a close friend who is a big time Western Michigan fan, and him and I talk frequently. And I, I was a huge fan of Caleb Ellaby, and I, I was yeah. I was a little surprised that he left, but I was I was even a little bit more surprised that he didn't get drafted. Um, yeah. But if he would have came back, I mean, my goodness, Western Michigan might might have been the favorite to win the MAC. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, when I was kind of doing my um, end of the season, you know, as I'm watching bowl games, I'm kind of looking through and I and I make a list of who to watch out for. And Western was right at the top, but then I see Caleb Ellaby gone, Sky Moore gone. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, because of those two losses, that really dropped it down because they've got great running backs and they've got a pretty good receiving room. Um, and, you know, like I said, Tim Lester is a guy who knows how to coach offense, and, and they put up points, but um, I don't know if Stone Hollenbach can uh, ease that transition. But, yeah, losing those two guys alone made me drop Western from uh, my pick to win the West to now being third in that division just because of those two alone. I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and this is a great segue into my next question. With Western Michigan has – for if people don't know, Western Michigan has had some amazing wide receiver talent over the past 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, just yep. guys that have gone on to the NFL and had tremendous careers. Um, it, is Corey Crooms the next stud in that wide receiver room? I, I'm going to hold off calling him a stud. I think he's a very good receiver. He was number two on the team in receptions last year in, in terms of wide receivers anyway. Um, you know, he's a deep threat with good speed and good footwork. He had 44 catches, um, six touchdowns. You know, he, so he, he can hit the home run ball, 5'11", 185. Um, and he showed up in big games. His best two games last year were at Pitt, where he had eight catches for 161 and a touchdown in an upset over the eventual ACC champion Pitt Panthers. And then, of course, the, the victory cannon game against CMU, which uh, Western did not win. I want to throw that out there. Uh, but he had seven catches for 118 yards and a touchdown. So he's going to be a good receiver. I, I don't know if I'm going to call him a stud just yet. He's, um, you know, he'll be a junior this year, but I think he can make uh, strides. And if Western rises to the top of the West, it's probably going to be because uh, of a, a solid season from a guy like Corey Crooms. And I think this next question is going to be near and dear to your heart. Uh, can Can Lou Nichols the third get to 2,000 yards rushing this season? He can if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, and I think his, his chances are even better now that Kobe Lewis transferred to Purdue mm-hmm. because uh, Lewis sat out last year and it was looking like there was going to be a two-headed monster. Um, 
you know, Nickel certainly, he's progressed and gotten leaps and bounds better from one year to the next year. So this year he'll be a junior. And, um, you know, if he gets to 2,000, that means that um, Central's offense is humming. But they brought in, um, I think it's Paul Petrino. Um, it's one of the Petrino brothers who's going to be their new OC this year. And they typically like to throw the football. And with uh, with what they have in Daniel Richardson or what they think they have in Daniel Richardson, um, that's uh, I know that they're going to want to try and air it out a little bit more. I question their, their talent at wide receiver right now. Uh, losing Singleton and uh, Pimpleton were, um, you know, some pretty big losses. Nonetheless, um, it's hard for anybody to get to uh, 2,000 yards, uh, especially in the MAP conference, I, right. I would say. But right. um, if anyone in the MAP is going to get to two grand, it's going to be Lou Nichols. But that might have to come in a bowl game um, where he gets to that point. And the, the offensive coaches are just feeding him the rock almost 40 times a game. And I, I, I honestly don't see that happening just – given the style of offense that we're used to seeing in college football now. so um, But, yes, if anyone's going to do it in the MAC, it's, it's probably going to be Luke. We, you've kind of hinted to this already, but I, I think we can agree that Miami's the clear favorite in the East. Um, but can anyone yep. can anyone catch them? I think, um, I think Kent State has a shot. Um, Bowling Green has a shot. You know, you look at the schedules, uh, Bowling Green – has uh, Miami at home and Kent State at home. So if they can take care of both those games, then you might be looking at the Falcons as your East Division champs if they can beat Miami of Ohio. As, as I run down my predictions, the only MAC loss that I see for Miami is actually going on the road to DeKalb and losing to Northern Illinois. But, um, you know, as tight as it is in the West, I, I see, you know, if I, if I put them in tears, I see Miami of Ohio at the top of the East by themselves. And then you go down to the next tier, Bowling Green, Kent State, Buffalo maybe vying for that second spot, second, third, and fourth, and then Akron and Ohio behind them. So Miami certainly has a much easier path to Detroit, I think, than anyone in the West, namely Toledo or NIU. I I absolutely agree. I I actually didn't realize that Bowling Green gets both of them at home. So that's a good advantage for them. And, I agree with you that, that Bowling Green could turn a corner this year. Yep. Especially because, I mean, you look at their non-conference games, they have to go to the Rose Bowl to play UCLA, and that's a paycheck game. Right. But then they get Marshall at home, and I think that that's going to be a good test. We're going to really see what we are going to get from Bowling Green because Marshall's no slouch. I mean, they moved to the Sun Belt Conference this year, so a little bit of a transition for them. They lost uh, their quarterback, Grant Wells. They've got Rasheen Ali who's one of the top running backs, not only in the group of five, but you know maybe top 20 in the country. Right. So if Bowling Green can take care of the herd at home, that's going to be a statement uh, to the rest of the MAC to say, you know, don't look past the Falcons. And, and like you said, not only do they get Miami of Ohio and Kansas City at home, but they also get Buffalo at home. So really, the... That's big. The th- yeah, the, the three contenders in the East, they get all of them at Doit Perry. So again, Coach Leffler and, and Falcon players, if you can take care of business, even if you get two or three wins of those three games at home, they're they're sitting pretty for how things are going to look in, in terms of going to Detroit this year. Absolutely. Uh, last year, all six MAC West teams made a bowl game. Uh, the only other division that could say that is the SEC West. Do you think the yeah. MAC the MAC West can do that again this year? 
I think they'll get four teams. I think Toledo, NIU, Central, and Western will make it to a bowl. I agree. Perhaps Eastern, if they can, you know, steal a game that I'm not expecting them to win. Ball State, I, I you know, I, I caught some flack from Cardinal fans, but, you know, they lost a lot. They lost mm-hmm. Drew Flitt. Um, you know, they lost uh, Justin Hall, some of their, you know, key guys on defense. So, um, you know, I, I, I really like Mike New and what he is. Looks like he's starting to, to kind of get going there at Ball State, but you know they're they're suffering from the circumstance of just the West being so competitive, mm-hmm. and uh, you know for Ball State to get to six wins as well as those other teams getting to six wins, it's going to be really really tough. Um, so I see four of the the six teams getting to to bowl games this year, possibly five, but not all six. I agree with you. I agree spot on with exactly what you said. Um. Before I conclude the show, I I have to ask you about your favorite MAC venues. Uh, with me myself being a stadium traveler and traveling throughout the country to go to games, what what are some of your favorite MAC venues? Well, before I get to that, um, I do want to give a shout to a, a friend of mine that we actually had on our podcast, um, Steve Van Buskirk. Uh, he's a Buffalo guy, an Oklahoma guy, but he's one of the guys that's been to every FBS stadium as well as. Um, bowl venues and whatnot. So um, follow him if you don't wow. already. FB underscore Steve on Twitter. Uh, but he's a great guy to talk to. But um, you know, my own personal experience, I've been to Kelly Shorts for many games, um, but that's the only stadium that I've actually been to for a game. I've I've been on the grounds of Reinerson Stadium. Actually, I coached in Reinerson Stadium when I was coaching high school football. Been to Waldo Stadium at Western. I've been to Doit Perry at Bowling Green. And Peden Stadium is... Um, really a hidden gem i think in the midwest at ohio u but um in terms of from watching on tv and and reading about it and, and seeing them you know uh council them jaeger stadium in oxford i think is one of the ones that the top one i'd like to go to the cradle of coaches there it's just i think in a beautiful college campus setting infocision we already talked about earlier being the newest stadium in the mac uh, even though it took the place of the rubber bowl and a lot of akron fans you know, didn't want to see that uh, go, and, and it's kind of sad to see how it's been in the ruins now. It still stands, but not nearly what it what it used right, to be. Yeah. Uh, the glass bowl at Toledo looks very enticing. I'm, I'm hoping to make it there sometime this year, uh, and especially in the near future for the, the game against uh, Bowling Green. And then certainly Husky Stadium in DeKalb. Um, if I ever make it out there, I'm going to have to... You know, hook up with you, and we'll, you it's know, a we'll great grab place. A, a bite and a drink, and uh, we'll we'll watch Husky football there, brother. It's a it's a great spot. I've been there a handful of times. I, I, I love I love watching a game there. It's a it's a great spot. Uh, sure. I I've been to I went to Reinerson Stadium last year and and I was really impressed. I I thought I feel like the gray turf on TV looks a little weird, but when I saw it in person, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot better in person. Like I mean, it is. I I almost feel like my t- like I'm watching a black and white TV when I'm seeing that. Yes. Uh, so on TV, it's it's not sexy at all, you know. But it's uh, it's certainly uh, an attraction. It's 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 unique, and um, you know, I, I I think that they've they've done a lot with that stadium um, from when you know the old Charlie Batch days and Walt Church days up until now. I mean, the nicknaming it the factory and right. um, the upgrades that they've got going there, like Reinerson Stadium has. Um, really been transformed. It used to be like the, the the ugly girl all the way now to like it's uh, you know you want to you want to invite this one to prom because uh, <laughs> it, it, it's getting there. So 
Yeah, I was really impressed by it when I when I went. Just just because, like I said, from what you see on TV, do not judge it by its, uh, by what you see on TV. <laughs> right, right. Well, I got to thank you so much for jumping on tonight uh, with me talking talking about the Mac and just uh, really look forward to uh, continuing to follow you and your and uh, your all your breakdowns and everything when it comes to this upcoming season. Yeah, I appreciate it, Bobby. And again, uh, just a little plug for myself. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at ChappieCFB. And uh, also I run a website, www.cfpcollegefootball.com. Um, I'll be releasing predictions and previews for the upcoming season, not just for the Power Five, but Group of Five as well, especially, you know, like we talked about, it's, it's near and dear to my heart. So give it a look, give it a follow, and uh, feel free to interact and uh you know, I, I had a blast coming on here, Bobby, and anytime you want to talk any kind of college football, um, hit me up in the future. Absolutely, and I second that, folks. It will please give him a follow. Uh, great, great content. Uh, I myself will be starting my uh, breakdowns on programs starting Monday, so you guys can look for that on uh, the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Float One. And as always, thank you guys for listening. Have a good night. God bless.